Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what's happening y'all? Today we have Steve Pollack. Did I get that right? 100% you did, that's perfect. Fantastic, and, and you are the current CEO of Anchor Loans, and I didn't realize how dominant you guys were in this space. I was looking into to it. You guys have been in business for plus 20 years, more than over 7 billion uh, amount of loan volume that you've given out to folks. So you're helping individuals, you're helping communities, and then obviously more than 20,000, uh, more than 22,000 uh, from what your site says. I don't know if that's currently accurate. I'm sure as it, it's ongoing and you're, you're essentially helping uh, investors, um, and building communities. So I want to hear a little bit more about what you do. And, but more importantly, what I love having is when you come into the lab, Steve, is we get to find out who the person behind the business is. And that's, we're really big on that. As far as I always say that the person behind the business really reflects uh, what their, how their business um, executes. So first of all, Steve, why don't you give us a little bit of background about, you know, how you got into what practice you are today because I do believe you have a very different background which I think is fascinating and tell us where you are today and what your team does. Sure absolutely thank you for the opportunity for being here this is great. Of course. So, so yes 21 years Anchor Loans has been around since 1998 uh, making loans to investors like yourself who are who are uh, investing in their communities by buying houses that need to be refurbished remodeled repaired rehab, fix them up, sell them out to an end user and so forth. Uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you the, the five cent tour to my background. This is, sure. this is actually my fourth career. Um, I, I actually uh, went to school at UCLA, graduate school at UC Berkeley. I actually went to graduate school for, uh, to be an eye doctor and I was an optometrist for 10 years. Uh, had my own practice. I've always been very, very, very entrepreneurial. You know, when I was growing up, I had the typical uh, little kid businesses that you have, uh, lemonade stands, uh, shoveling snow, mowing lawns, raking leaves, anything I could do to, to, to make a buck. I always was working for myself. So I knew when I eventually grew up, I want to do something to work for myself. I, I went to school, became an eye doctor, started my own practice, cold, right out of school, built it up, took on a partner, had a very, very thriving practice. But I realized after 10 years, that isn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I actually sold my practice to my partner. So that was my career number one. Career number two was while I was an optometrist, I was buying uh, rental properties. So that's how I started in real estate. I actually bought rental properties before I owned my own house. I was living in an apartment, buying rental properties. So well uh, again, you know, that's uh, my, my, my assessment in terms of uh, the path to wealth is, is to invest in wealth creating activities as opposed to investing in yourself, uh, which is what I did. So I started by buying some duplexes and, and, and triplexes and so forth while I was an optometrist. Uh, when, I, when I sold my practice, I got into real estate full time, both buying rental property as well as it wasn't called flipping back then, it was called re property rehab, you know, as a rehabber. Uh, buying properties, fixing them, and selling them. So I did that for a few years uh, uh, until the, the downturn of the early 90s came along right. when it became very difficult to sell properties at that point in time. 
So I uh, was still doing some real estate on the side, but it wasn't active enough in order to, to actually make a living for myself. I kind of stumbled into my third career where I was, as a third career, I was a professional poker player. No kidding. So, yeah, <laughs> I did not I played, know that. I played uh, Texas Hold'em for a living for seven years and supported myself while I was doing my real estate activity as well. But I and played Hold'em like it was a job. Um, you're watching this. Steve's got his, his poker face on. Yeah, I speaking. got my poker face. I got to smile more. <laughs> That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah, so I used to go into, the, uh, go into the poker rooms here in California, whether it was in Northern California or Southern California when it was legal at that time, still is, um, and would make a money, would make, make, make a living playing, playing cards. Um, it was very interesting. It was obviously, I worked for myself. I can go in whatever I wanted to go in, but I had all the downsides. Uh, that you would think would have basically no vacation pay, no sick pay, no pension plan. And sometimes you go to work with, with a bunch of money in your pocket and you come home with no money in your Nothing. pocket. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, it was, it was net, net positive for me, but yeah. you know, it's a tough way to make an easy living as they say. Um, but I was at that point in time, I was making money. I was also investing passively in real estate by investing in trust deeds. So I was, in, I was making loans to people who are buying properties and then fixing and, and selling them. And that's where the opportunity to create anchor loans with myself and my two co-founders came along. Uh, we pooled our money. We saw an opportunity to create a business for doing exactly what we we're doing as an investment. And we started with our own money and some friends and family money um, in 1998. And we grew it from there into where we are right now, having made, like you say, over $7.8 billion worth of loans life to date, 22,000 loans, currently manage a portfolio of about $1.2 billion. Last year was our fourth year in a row of over $1 billion worth of originations, wow. making them one loan at a time. Our average loan to investors like yourself is typically two, three hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. uh, So we do a lot of loans. We flip a lot of hamburgers, as I like to say. <laughs> I love it. All right. So this is great because this is a great segue to get into, you know, what is it that you really offer to, to the folks out there, to the investors? Again, uh, we talked about it in the lab. We actually recently had uh, Evan Holiday, which is actually, he's in the uh, development space. And he brought a lot of it, uh, enlightenment to us because he was talking about the, uh, the, the difference between the value add multifamily and then the construction side of things. And, and I do, and I, Correct me if I'm wrong, um, Steve, that you do have a new construction loans and at the same time, uh, fix and flips or as what we know as hard money. Do you want to go a little bit about maybe how those two are a little bit different from one another and how you would uh, offer that to the people? Yes. Yeah. So we do do both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, the fix and flip loans is our core business. That's what we've done all along. Okay. Uh, we do do construct ground up construction what we call infill construction, which is basically building a house in the middle of a developed community, uh, usually has a house built on one side and on another side, and it's either a small house that's gonna be torn down and then rebuilt from the ground up, or it's vacant land, a lot, whatnot, and, and our borrower is gonna build a house on that. We're, we're, not a, we're not a lender that lends to large developments that are doing four phase, 300 right. model home type of development. That's not who we are. Um, we, we, we deal with the, with the smaller organizations um, than your, than your, your NARS or, you know, your, your major home building instruction organizations. Okay. Um, and, and, and so we, we try to take care of our clients. Basically our, our, our uh, mission statement is we at Anchor here create success through opportunities by helping create and improve homes and communities. That's right. Beautiful. So we're there for our clients. We want to be part of your team, right? Yes, we can supply you with capital and help you finance the project, but that's not all we're about. 
we oftentimes will build relationships with clients who need to understand how to work their business better. How, help me value a property. Help me understand my title report. Help me understand if I'm buying right, if I'm selling right. How do I find an agent? You know, we've written many, many blog posts on our article uh, on our website for people just download all this information for free. Well, it's our belief that as the community that we service gets more educated, more knowledgeable, can make better decisions, everybody grows from that. And that's what we're about. And if we can provide value for you there in that way only, that's great. If we can provide value by also helping you finance some homes, that's great also. Uh, yes, we're a hard money lender. And what does that mean? That means we have the money to lend to you. It's, it's, not a, it's not a bank. We don't have to get senior credit currency approval. It's us. You know, it's, it's, it's our organization. Now, we have a, a fair amount of an organization here. We have 100, 150 people who work for me. Uh, but it's, it's a process. We try to make it as streamlined and as, as client-friendly as possible. If you need help ordering insurance, we'll do it for you. If you need help reading your title report, we'll do it for you. Um, we, we, if you need a closing, a quick closing, so if you're, if you're a buyer and you make an offer to a seller, I'm gonna, I can close in seven days, we can do that for you. We actually, one of our top, top clients, it's not normal for us to do this, we actually got a loan in uh, three weeks ago on a Monday and closed it five hours later. Wow. That's, that's our all time record. <laughs> that's not, that's not, that, that's not yeah. normal. No, it's not. And as we know it, we have the capability of doing that. If you absolutely need to do that, are you going to lose the deal? Yeah. We're there for you. So I, I like what I'm hearing, Steve, because, because what I'm hearing is the, the sense of community that you've been really big on. I know you I've I looked into your stuff and again, I would, um, employ anybody to go on uh, anchor loans and, and check out some of the stuff you're doing and specifically yourself being really hands-on in the community, which is why I reached out to you, uh, which I think is fascinating. But I, I like, I like the idea that you're, you're here to help an investor for the long term or in, in, in the people business. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit of what that may look like for someone who is has a lot of experience or maybe someone who doesn't what does someone need to present to anchor loans for you to actually help them help themselves uh so let's talk about for example i know there's a lot of different folks you might be helping but let's say if i want to work with you what are some things i need to consider and um as an investor uh and maybe you can get into the asset-based lending part of it maybe that might make more right. sense or wherever you want to go yep right so most of our uh, of our underwriting what we mm -hmm. care about most is the asset itself, asset-based lending, right? Yes, we, we need to understand who our borrower is and their credit worthiness. It's not the same thing as your regular consumer loan. Right. We're not gonna do your, your mortgage verification and your employment verification, no. We just wanna understand that you have enough cash reserves to be able to service the loan, to fix up the property if you're doing it out of your own pocket. Um, and you wanna make sure that you have a good credit score that you basically take care of your debts because we're gonna be a debt if, we're, if you're gonna come work with us. And in regards to the asset, all you need to do is come to us with a, with a property that you've tied up uh, and what the purchase price is and your, some basic information. How much you think you're gonna to need to fix up that property? How much you think the property is gonna be worth after you fix that up? Those are the basics to get started. We can quickly evaluate that and tell you if this is something that we can work together on or not. One of the things that I like to, like to tout is the things that I'm proudest of is when we actually turn down loans. Hmm. What I mean by that is we've had investors come to us saying, I'm going to buy a property for X 
and it's going to be worth why after I fix it up. We do a little bit of our research and we say, Mr. Investor, it's not going to be worth why. It's going to be worth less than why. You're not going to be making any money on this deal. I strongly advise you either to A, go back and try to get a bang down, try to get a lower price yeah. on the buy side, right? So that you can make money or pass on that deal because this is a great deal for you. I feel, I feel good about that because we've had many, many occasions like this when the borrower, which is not unusual, might say, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. I'm going to buy this property anyway. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, they come back to me and say, I got another loan for you because you were right on that first loan. I shouldn't have bought that property. Right, right. I did and I lost money. Now I, now I believe you know what you're talking about. That's, that's, that's when I'm proud because I, I, we're, like you said, long-term is super important for yeah. us. We don't, want to, we don't want your first loan. We want your 21st loan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's we well said. want you to be successful. Yeah. Right. And you're not going to be successful at loan number 21 if, if loan number one is no good. Yeah. And, and I, love, I love how you said that, Steve, because, you know, we always talk about uh, there's so many people that are involved in that process that are on your team. And, and you definitely want your, your, call it your lender to be on your, to be on your side, on your side of the team, to, there to guide you and support you. And it, unfortunately, not every lender has that intention because we can get a little granular about the points and the terms that you have. But one thing I also want to note, and I saw this in one of your articles, I thought it was fascinating that back in 2008, you guys were actually uh, very prudent in, in how you went about making loans when everyone else was, you know, lending. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? How you were able to really just make sure you guys were able to survive that time and that, that period, as we know, as investors, that was a little bit uh, of a kind of a uphill battle. Sure. So prior to the financial downturn, mm -hmm. our, our peak year was 2005. Uh, up to 2005, we did our most amount of volume. We've been growing every single year. We grew in 2005. At that point in time, we weren't a national company. We were mostly a California-based company, mostly here in Los Angeles. Yeah. But we lending all across California. We were concerned in 2005 that that was the third straight year here in California, 15% appreciation year over year over year, yep. which is unheard of in the real estate <laughs> industry, right? It's nice if you're buying and, and flipping and whatnot, but we all know what the, looking back with 2020 hindsight, we all know what the reason was with the subprime crisis and so forth. That's right, yep. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was smart enough to predict the subprime crisis. I wasn't. I just knew there was something wrong. My partners knew there was something wrong. So what we did in 2006, even though we had more loan applications and more possible business in 2006, we did 15% fewer loans in 2006 because we thought that there was an issue with, with the real estate, that something was going to happen. Well, nothing happened in 2006. Oops, sorry about that. Nothing happened in 2006. So again, in 2007, we did 25% loans less than we did in 2006. So we basically scaled down. We were telling our clients, you should be careful of what you're buying. You shouldn't be buying land. You know, land's the first thing that goes 50% right off the top when you hit a recession. Mm -hmm. uh, you shouldn't be buying some of these other properties in the outlying areas that are more susceptible to price decreases, to value decreases in a downturn. Um, some of our borrowers listened, some of them didn't. And that was the reason why basically through the uh, financial crisis of 2008, 2009, that 18-month period of time when everybody thought the world might be ending and most real estate funds uh, were losing 30, 40, 50% of their assets under management, uh, during that period of time, we broke even. 
And wow. it all had to do with the fact that in, we prepared ourselves in 06, 07, leading up to what was happening. Yep. So we're, 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 we're long-term thinkers for both ourselves and our client. We want to be here for the next 20 years. We want our clients to be here for the next 20 years. Um, I'm, I'm okay with losing business in the short term yep. because all I care about is th this is an infinite game. I want to be here for the long term. I want my company to be here for the long term. Everybody that works here wants to be proud of who they who they're working for, the company they work for. They're all they're all behind our our mission statement of helping improve homes and communities. That's what we're about. I love that. And again, it goes back to you guys scaling down and seeing it's 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 having the eyes on the market and being able to really see uh, and and have the best interest for your. I like to call it partnership, not even customers. I call my customers partners because I think you know, it shows you have skin in the game. And and so I, I love that. It seemed like you had the best interest because you did, and you were able to actually scale down when the opposite was happening i'm sure for other companies and yeah, i guess 100%. the rest is history and that's why we're here today still talking <laughs> so good for you that uh, that's really cool steve um you, i want to take a step back a little bit because in the beginning we touched on you know the type of lending that you guys do and obviously uh, when i say that we specifically talked about hard money uh but i want to go back a little bit about the new construction loans because that's something i'm not familiar with and if i'm not familiar with it i'm sure my community is not as familiar and that's definitely not my my um my area of expertise and because we have you here want to take a little bit advantage. What does that really mean? Because I saw uh, on the, I'm familiar with loan to value. I saw loan to cost on your website. Do you want to talk about that process at a high level just so we understand sure. what that sure. might mean to lend on the, on the construction side? Sure. So many people are, are, are aware of, of AIV as is value or ARV that's, after that's right. repair value. That's right. And typically in, in fix and flip loans, your, your loan is structured uh, with both of those kind of uh, as, a, as a limiter, right? up to X percent of as is value or up to Y percent of, of ARV, up to 70% of ARV or 75% right. of ARV or so forth. The construction lending world is, is a little bit different. And typically loans are structured in the, in the construction lending world, world in terms of loan to cost. And what does that mean? Okay, that means um, what, what costs are involved in bringing the project from buy all the way through to the point where it's going to be marketed. So uh, if you're buying the property give you an example. I'm giving you a kind of California example. So the prices yeah. will be a little high. Yeah, so sure. you're buying a property for $500,000, right? And, and you're going to, um, you're going to be able to build a, it's, it's in a high priced neighborhood in, in Los Angeles, and you're going to spend one and a half million dollars on, on construction. So now you've got a $500,000 buy and a one and a half million dollar construction. So now you're up to $2 million total in costs so far. And, and Steve, let me stop you for a second. Is that from the ground up? Or are we talking like a gut job? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. From the ground up. Okay. It could be, it could be a house. You're buying something for 500,000 with a house you're going to, that you have to demolish and that'll be part of your construction costs. Okay. Or you're buying land that you're going to build from the ground up either way. Fantastic. That's great. Okay. okay. So now you're at $2 million, right? Then you're going to have your points, your fees, your, your third-party title, escrow fees. Let's just say just off the top of your head, that's another $50,000, right? Mm -hmm. And then typically with construction loans, you build in a, a pool of money to make your payments along the way. So you might build in, maybe for this loan, another $250,000 worth of payments. 
So now you're up to $2.3 million total in costs. All right. You with me, Ruben? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I'm taking so notes. I'm in the lab. I'm taking okay. notes. Good. Good. So now typically on construction lending, you're going to lend a certain percentage of that $2.3 million, right? Normal might be 80% of that. So 80% of the $2.3 million is going to be somewhere around 1.84 million. If I'm doing my yep. numbers in my head correctly, yep. something like that. And then the borrower would need to come in with the rest around $460,000. Um, and that's obviously making sure the deal makes sense, making sure. So in this particular case, if you're putting $2.3 million, you're going to want your property to be worth maybe three and a half or $4 million on the end run on the end of the game, right? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's when it hits the market. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Right. So you're, so in that particular case, you're maybe at 67 to 70% loan to ARV. That's right. But in the construction world, you typically loan to cost is all your costs in the beginning, which, which does include all the third party costs on the buy side and usually does include somewhere around six to nine months worth of interest payments, maybe more. And that's, and that's how it's structured. Does that make sense? Wow, that's fascinating. Yes. And, and I guess my biggest question I have after this is, I guess what we're used to on the, whether it's multifamily or whether, even if it's a you know, residential home is we're used to the asset being col uh, collateral. In, in that case, when you're building from the ground up, are you, is the upfront money put into some type of account escrow? Like how does that work? I'm just out of curiosity. Right. Top, top okay, of mind. So yeah. For example, the, in this particular case, the one and a half million dollars for yeah. the construction, right? Yeah. So typically the way that works is the one and a half million dollars is set aside on a line of credit. So that means that you as the client, you're not paying interest on that money until you actually draw on it, but it's uh, available for the, for you to draw on. So okay. as you progress on the property, you do a certain amount of work, then you get reimbursed for that work that you've done. And then the, your loan will slowly increase up to the full loan amount once you've fully built out the property. Beautiful. That's a way to put it together. I, I really appreciate that because uh, that's, that's a really good. And obviously you have the experts on your team. If you were to work with that, this is a very high level in the lab overview. And I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up for us. Cause I, I that was one of the questions that I had. Okay. F fascinating. Uh, so real quick, uh, I, in the lab, we like to get a little granular and, and, and before we get to the fire round questions, okay. what I, I, we'd love to know, you know, we hear points, you know, terms, you know, rates and points. Tell us a little bit about on your team or from you, how you operate. You know, if I come to you with a deal, what's going to determine, you know, what my points are up front? Is it experience? Is it the deal? Is it, you know, would you like to give a little insight of what, what a lender is thinking, you know, when they're sitting at the table and considering, obviously we know that you're obviously anchor loans is on our, on, on our side, uh, but I want to know a little bit more of how you guys operate as, as a company when it comes to that. Sure. So the way we think about things is we, we have four different tiers mm -hmm. for our clients, A, B, C, D, we call them elite professional success and entry. Nice. All right. So the entry level, basically tier D is someone who's only done a few deals, has a certain amount of credit, has a certain amount of cash. Um, all the way up to the elite level, A, which would mean typically they've done 50 or more deals in their lifetime. They have a certain amount of net worth and cash, a good FICO score, et cetera. So we have five or six different parameters that we throw into the mix. Our, our, our software generates, lets them know what tier you're in. And basically your tier then dictates what type of rate and terms we can offer to you. And if you got a better deal, if you're in a tier, let's say you're an elite borrower, 
but happened to be uh, giving us a really good tier, a, a good deal in, in, a, in that we're not having to leverage all the way up to say 75%, it's a 65% loan to after improved value or a 55%, then we give you the best rate we can, right? So uh, our, our points vary anywhere from half a point and seven and a half percent interest Mm-hmm. This is for a year. Yep. Uh, up to like an entry level borrower will be typically somewhere about two and a half to three points, uh, to twelve percent interest, yep. and and in between that, depending upon if you're a B or C borrower. So there's there, it's 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 not fixed in the sense right. that uh, you you give me five things, I sp- I look up on a grid and I match right. you, and this is your points. Um, there's a little bit of an art to it. Yeah. There's a, there's a range, and then how good, how, and if you've been a previous borrower with us and you've always made your payments on time, that that's in your favor. That's excellent. And, and again, the reason why I asked that, that was a great explanation, number one. And number two, and the reason we asked that, the only way, I always say the easiest way to do business with people is to explain how it works. And, and I think you've done a fantastic job today. So, so thank, thank you. you for that, Steve. A lot of great insights here. Uh, wearing your lab coat. You are like, you are a <laughs> So you're still a, a doctor in, in this lab, right? Is technically, that how technically, I am. That's right. Dr. There we Dr. Go. Polak is here. Ah. He's dropping the bombs. I love it. So, <laughs> all right, fantastic. So, uh, quick, I want to hit these points real quick. Mythbuster, what do you think is the biggest misconception uh, uh, to, that investors have when working with lenders? Is there something that comes to mind where it's like this, this misunderstanding that we have with lenders? Maybe this point that we just talked about was one of them, but any other insights? Uh, I think the biggest myth is that uh, that a client believes that they can't just be open and honest and communicate with their lender. Mm. As, uh, from, from our standpoint, if you run into a cash crunch and you're, and you're late on your payments and you call us up and you tell us more power to you because yeah. we understand that that's a normal situation. We're going to work with you. If you don't, if you go radio silent and don't communicate with us, we don't know what's going on. I mean, that's a problem. So, yeah. so one of the biggest myths is that it's in the client's best interest to be quiet and not tell us your problem when it's 180 degrees the opposite. You tell us the problem, we'll figure out what the solution is. We don't want your property. Yeah. We want you to be successful. So let us exactly. help you with the solution. Yeah, well said. Uh, that's exactly right. Um, excellent. Well, what do you think is uh, the biggest mistakes investors uh, you know, make in, in, in real estate? I know you, you touched a little bit earlier on, on over-evaluating and that's when you step in, but what are some things that you're seeing that are common mistakes that you're like, man... The, com- the most common mistake, especially for your entry, your beginning <laughs> kind of level, is getting too psychologically married mm. to the asset. Whether it's, it's my first deal, okay, I know that I told myself, I'm going to this auction, I'm going to buy this property, I'm not going to spend more than $87,000, and they go home saying, I wonder how I ended up spending 102000 <laughs> because they wanted to get that deal so bad. Numbers, you numbers. got to be disciplined, yeah. patient. And not psychologically married to like it has to be today. I got to get the deal today. Same thing on the back end when you sell the property. The market will tell you what your property is worth. Don't be psychologically married to like I did such a great job in putting in those cabinets and painting that bathroom and thinking that it's worth more than the market tells you what it's worth. The market will tell you what it's worth. It's a business. Think of it as a business. Deal with it like a business. Excellent. And speaking of business, that's a great segue because I obviously you come with a, a lot of various backgrounds where you've you've started businesses yourself. You've you sold some. You're a doctor. You're a poker player. <laughs> I love that because again, it just shows the core your core you know values coming out. And I'd love to hear you know what is the best advice that you've ever received 
uh, that you would share with the community within all of your endeavors that you've had? So the best advice I ever received is just believe in yourself. Mm. Believe in yourself. And what is, does that mean that you're going to be perfect and make perfect decisions? Of course not. You're going to make mistakes, but that's how you learn. Right? Believe in yourself. Know that when you make a mistake and you fall down, you get up, you learn from it, and you grow. That's it. You got to believe oh. in yourself. Too many people say they believe in themselves and then they're scared to make that first step. They're f scared to dip their toe in the water. They feel like they have to analyze things for a whole year before they get started on really what's their passion and what's their life stream. Yeah. You, you believe in yourself. What's the worst that can happen? You go back to your, your job that you were doing beforehand anyway. So, yeah, no, I'm, I, again, I love that Steve, because I, I'm a huge believer of, of, um, I think you're pr probably a perfect example for it, Steve, that, you know, once you get started and you just take that, that action, there's things along the way that you'll stumble upon or that you'll discover that you may not have realized had you not taken the action. And I think you can probably attest to that. Cause I think if someone asked you, did you think that you'd be, you know, the CEO of Anchor Loans, you know, considering your background, well, probably not, but had you not gotten started in real estate, then you wouldn't have known that maybe there was an op opportunity in a marketplace. So uh, I, I, I'm a, good, for, good for you for uh, echoing that message. Um, excellent. So I like to get, again, these are the rapid fire questions. You're obviously a very interesting uh, individual who stepped in the lab today, who we have the luxury of having. Obviously, your operation just as great. I like to ask these questions to understand who is behind the, who is the, the poker player and the, the Minecrafter behind all that goes on. So really quick, tell us, uh, what is your favorite book, Steve? My favorite book is yeah. uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Wow, never heard of that. So it is uh, written by a Nazi death camp survivor oh, wow. of his time in the Nazi death camps and how he uh, grew psychologically and internally uh, in terms of accepting uh, human beings for their faults by, by going through that, 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 you know, obviously very, very traumatic, very traumatic uh, yeah. situation. Oh, okay. That's, that's great. I'll definitely make sure I put that in the show notes as always. Um, what is, what is the best habit that serves you every day, Steve? My best habit. Yeah. Um, so I'm very organized and very disciplined. I do things very, I mean, I come into work uh, a certain amount of time. I look at emails and then I shut them down a certain amount of time. Good for um, you. I do some other activities. Um, I try to be as organized and use my time as efficiently as I, as I can. I think time management is a, is a misunderstood and super important part. Mm -hmm. It's something that all, all of us have the same amount of and, and many of us, uh, lose it and, and use it unwisely. So I try to manage my time as best as possible. So great segue. Maybe you want to talk about what's the best tool that helps you excel throughout your day. Do you, do you have something that manages your time well, or is it a calendar? Is it notes? What is it? No, I just, it's my, uh, it's my, the TikTok going off inside my head, you know, and yeah, I don't yeah. mean the, I don't mean the social media TikTok. I just mean the club. No, <laughs> you know what? That's important that you say that because who knows these days with, with yeah. our lovely millennials. Uh, but okay. So interesting. You're like the third person now who said this, and I can't stress, it, stress this enough. In the lab, like literally all we talk about is personal development first, and that projects into all your endeavors and whether you're a real estate investor or syndicator or whatever it is you're being. And so when you say your mind, I mean, it just goes back to the core again. Uh, that's fascinating. Um, okay, so best tool, you covered that. So I, I want to hear a little bit. This is, I always ask this question. Would you rather... Um, own a one 300 unit apartment or three apartment buildings of a hundred units. 
Uh, three 100 units. Why is that? Um, uh, there's a little bit more diversification there. Uh, you are able to, if needed, if they're not all side by side, you're able to maybe service different client models. And so where you might have a higher vacancy rate across one 300 unit buildings, you, I suspect with three different 100 unit buildings, you'd be able to get that vacancy rate up somewhat. Yeah. You might be able to offer, you know, free first month rent in one, but not in the other where you can't do that if you only have one building. So mm. I prefer the diversity on three. I know it's a little bit more work. You could have to have three property managers and three different sets of, uh, uh various things to do that but i think the offset of the diversity uh makes up for that good for you always hear different answers uh self-manage or outsource uh for the three buildings you're talking about yeah uh then i'm gonna outsource good that's a lot of work it is it is <laughs> uh if you had one superpower in your business what would it be superpower in business yeah. whatever superpower i want to make whatever up. pick one it's dangerous uh, now steve be careful yeah besides growing my hair uh, ah stop <laughs> you don't stop it, steve. Uh, i guess the ability to go back in time really i haven't heard that one that's interesting would just, you say you, I, would you say you have any regrets i have no regrets i wouldn't change anything hmm. i don't live that way i always live looking forward and never look I, I, to the sense that anything has happened in the past, mm -hmm. I try to learn from it. I never regret doing it. I never regret making a mistake or making a decision that led to a mistake that yeah. I could have done better. I, know, I don't think that way. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I know that uh, you know, as the years roll by, uh, again, time being a limited resource, I sort of like to capture more of that. I would, I would give up everything I am worth today to go back and be 25 years old again with, with nothing. It is youth. Uh, I always say that... Um, um, yeah, age is definitely, uh, it's, yeah, the youth is rich. That's for sure. That's, that's yeah. fascinating. Good for you. And you know um, what they say? They say the youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> <laughs> so you're making me feel terrible. Jeez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so if you could describe a successful investor in one word, Steve, which word would you pick? Discipline. Mm. Mm. I really like that. It says a lot about you there, Steve. I love it. I love it. All right. So you're an opportunist. This is the last uh, segment of show. I like, it's called bridging the gap. Um, I'm all about solving problems. I think a lot of us are, you know, uh, and, and I'm always interested to hearing what, um, you know, folks like you who, who come in, who are practitioners, um, if you could make one thing easier in your day to day uh, in your industry, what, what do you think that is just out of hindsight, just something that's just, Anything uh, that, that's giving you friction? I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm just to, to see if there's anything out there that you feel could be. That's a good question. I don't think I've ever, ever been asked that question before. Mm. So it's making me think, is there something that could create less friction? In your day-to-day -day operations. I can't think of anything. Oh, I can think of lots of little things, but they're all yeah. insignificant. Uh, oh, interesting. No, I can't think of anything. Okay, then I stumped you. I'm happy. You, stu you stumped me. <laughs> okay. I love it. No, that's cool. No, I, I, I always I like to ask Final that. Jeopardy. Oh, stop. No, no, no. There's no right or wrong. I just like hearing what's okay. going on out there in, these, in, 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 the, in the day to day. Uh, but as far as uh, you work with a lot of, uh, this is the market segment here, it's 
you work with a lot of investors. Are you seeing a flow of, of, of volume going to a specific place? Again, kind of like we like to have some insights uh, in, in the lab. Are you seeing some opportunities uh, that, you, you know, folks might not be thinking of like a particular area in the nation since you guys are a nationwide when you look at your numbers of where you're getting the most loans is that something you'd be able to share with us sure um we're still primarily a california-based organization and so mm -hmm. by by state california is the largest state of our of our lending operations oh, wow. uh but it has the most challenging markets because it's the most competitive here Mm -hmm. uh, it requires the most sophistication in knowing what you're doing, whether it's ground up construction, value add type of deals or whatnot, or uh, investors having to segue into other uh, niches in the real estate market that maybe they're not so familiar with moving from, from owning two to fours to maybe owning multifamilies and so forth. Uh, in regards to geography, um, the Southeast is, is pretty hot. So right. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, even Florida are, are lots of opportunity there right now. Uh, the other thing that I would say that we're seeing kind of as a nationwide trend and that probably will come as no surprise to you is that there has been a significant shift from, from buying, fixing and selling into buying, fixing and holding for rent. Yes. So there's a lot of that that's going on now because it makes sense. Um, you know, the, the, the rental economy is more stable. The, it makes sense in terms of buy prices and what you can realize for your rents. So doing a little bit of both in my mind, you know, someone who has an, as an investor is, is, is turning some of their properties to be able to, to put food on the table and keep their operation going and then holding some of their properties to build long-term wealth makes perfect sense to me. That's wonderful. Listen, Steve, this was fantastic. I mean, you, you gave a lot of value to, to, I think my community is going to love this. And most importantly, my, one of the keyest words that we use here in the lab in my community is I always talk about partnerships, strategic partnerships. And I couldn't think of a better person and company to, you know, either it's someone who's currently looking to grow their portfolio or someone who's starting out. Uh, I, I'm sure you can offer so much value. And if that's the case, Steve, where can, you know, individuals and investors and anybody find a little bit more about you and your company? So website, it's uh, pretty simple to remember, anchorloans.com, like a boat anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, loans.com. We have a portal on, uh, on, uh, on the website where you can enter information, get a, get a quote. Uh, we have a, a oh, nice. chat feature there if you want to just chat with somebody. Our phone numbers are there. Nice. Uh, my email address is there if you wanted to email me. I'm available. Make myself available. I'm not sitting in some ivory tower somewhere. I'm here. <laughs> I'm an operator. Um, so we appreciate that. Right. Um, you, you, can, you, you can follow me on Instagram, Steve Pollock, CEO, uh, Twitter, Steve Pollock, CEO. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, pretty easy. If you, if, you, if you look for us, you'll find us. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And I call myself the super connector in the community. So if there's anybody that I come across within my network and I should think, hey, maybe this should be a good person with Steve, who would that person be that I could make an introduction to and or what type of person would that person be? Somebody who you're going to introduce to us? Yeah. That so it could be it? like, if I meet someone and I'm keeping you top of mind and I say, you know what, Stephen, you should connect. I'll make an introduction right now. Who would that person be or what kind of person would that be? Uh, anybody in the real estate industry that is looking to gain knowledge that wants to make a, a connection. Yep. Um, I love being on, on, on podcasts and shows like yours. You're running oh. an awesome show here. I love uh, speaking and, you know, part of my, 
part of my core and my being and that uh, is to help educate people. Yep. I didn't mention, uh, but while the time I was practicing optometry, I was also a clinical professor at Berkeley in the optometry school there teaching the yeah. residents. And so I love teaching. Um, I love giving out information, help, help people understand the world around them better, make better decisions, uh, whether that flows into any type of business opportunity or not. That's, that's not what I'm after. If it happens, it happens, but uh, it's not, there's not the expectation there. So when you say, who could you introduce me to? Somebody that either has questions that, that I can help answer or somebody that has a show like yours uh, or, or similar to yours that would want me on to, to answer a different set of questions. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully not stump me like you did. <laughs> oh, you know, no, that's only when you come into the laboratory. That's what it is. But it's yes, a learning it's environment and, and it was fantastic to have you on the show. The last question I ask is, you know, what question do you wish I would have asked you that I may not have asked? It gives you an opportunity to share anything. Did I miss anything there, Steve? Anything you wish that would have asked you? That I missed? Um, let me think. Can't think of anything. You asked a very, very broad range of questions. You covered a lot of different topics. You did. You did. Uh, I think it gave an, a good opportunity for your community to, to get a taste of lots of different areas, especially in the construction area. You had a That's good right. interest in that. So can't think of anything off the top of my head, but if, if somebody out there who is listening to your show thinks of a question and wants to, wants to shoot me an email, I'll shoot you an email. I'm sure you know how to reach me and be happy Def to answer it at that point in time. Definitely. And just like that, guys, thank you so much. And we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.